Today on Blue 58, the product the Packers put on the field in 2022 isn't necessarily the result of any one person's work. But if there is one person most responsible for the Packers roster, it's general manager Brian Gutekunst. So how did he do this year? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Our person-by-person position group by position group review of the 2022 Packers continues today, and it will for a few weeks here. The first person we really have to talk about in depth is Brian Gutekunst. We kind of did some stuff about Mark Murphy in the last episode. As I'm sure you realize, there isn't a whole lot we can really say of substance about Mark Murphy, but we can say quite a bit about Mr. Gutekunst. The big question here is how do you do it? Do you do it sequentially or do you do it by topic? We could go January through December of 2022 since the Packers season neatly fit into the entire calendar year, basically. Uh, They had a couple games, obviously, in in 2023. But the big decisions that Gutekunst made went from, from January to December, more or less. Or you can do it by subject. The main areas where his duties fall are the draft, free agency, and then some other decisions that are really not really don't fit tidily into either of those other two categories. I think doing it by category is the best way to do it. So I figure we'll start with Brian Gutekunst's performance in the 2022 NFL Draft. Looking at the class as a whole, I really, I don't have any problems, significant problems with what Brian Gutekunst did. I do have some quibbles, but I I don't have a whole lot of overall issues with the class now, having sat with it for, what, eight, nine months now? If you twisted my arm, well, I guess maybe not even if you twist twist my arm, I would probably have swapped George Karlaftis, the Purdue edge rusher, for Devontae Wyatt. I think he plays a more impactful position. We'll talk about that in a second uh, than Wyatt, and I think he's just a better prospect overall. As far as trading up for Christian Watson... I'll happily take the loss on that because Watson turned out to be a pretty good player in 2022, and it looks like he's got a pretty bright future ahead of him. More on that, though, in a second as far as trading up goes. In terms of quibbles with Brian Gutekunst's 2022 draft, I think there are three. You've got positional value, you've got age, and you've got trading up. Positional value, I think, is is a big one. Because for the first time, well, I guess for the second time in, in Gutekunst's tenure, you had it in 2019 and now in 2022, the Packers had two first-round picks. In 2019, they went pretty hardcore positional value. Edge rusher and defensive back are pretty valuable positions. In 2022, they did not. Linebacker and defensive line are, and, and not like an edge-rushing defensive lineman, are valuable not nearly as valuable as pretty much any other position on the on the defense. A corner, a safety, an edge rusher, all would have probably been better investments of the resources. And Quay Walker in particular is as good a linebacker prospect as I think you're going to find in the late first round. But linebacker is a low-value position in the, in the draft. It just is. The impact that a linebacker can make on your defense just is not that great relative to other positions. You'd have been better off rolling the dice on another edge who may not play as much as Quay Walker does, but has a chance to affect the game in much, much bigger ways. The same goes for Devontae Wyatt. 
we saw that he really didn't even make the field all that much. And that, you know, for whatever reasons there may have been for, for Wyatt there, um, you, it, it's just, it's kind of par for the course. You don't expect that big of an impact from a rookie defensive lineman because they need some seasoning. And that dovetails nicely into my second point here, age. The Packers took a lot of old guys in the 2022 draft. Three players from their 2022 draft class are all going to turn 25 before the start of their second season. Devontae Wyatt, Sean Ryan, and Samori Ture. Now, Ture, you can write off a little bit. Seventh round pick, he's a flyer, whatever. But Wyatt and Ryan are top 100 selections. And all of them, or both of them, are only going to get four seasons in before they turn 28. You're butting up against whether or not it's worth it to sign them to a second contract there. I mean, that's that's a pretty short window for these guys to succeed. You're not talking about a very long development curve for either of them, all three of them, I guess. And just as a quick comparison, Jair Alexander was born on February 9th, 1997. Ture, May 24th, 1998. Wyatt, May 31st, 1998, and Ryan was September 20th, 1998. Two of those three are only 13 months younger than Jair Alexander. That says something about Alexander because he was young and and very, very skilled, but Duray and Wyatt both on the older side. Finally, if you're looking for quibbles, you got trading up. Two thoughts about this. First, generally, I am against trading up. But secondly, and possibly paradoxically, I have no problem with trading up if it works. Trading up is bad because, by and large, talent evaluators are, at best, about as good as a coin flip on choosing between one player at one position and the next guy. Long-term, long, long, long-term economic studies on this have been done. Just about all general managers are about that good at best. If you pick one wide receiver, chances are about 50-50 he's going to be better than the next guy. So if you're spending two picks on that guy, you're costing yourself another 50-50 shot at a player being good. The more draft picks you have, the more opportunities you have to, to pick up cheap talent, and the better you can make your roster at a fairly affordable rate. That's just how the economics of the NFL work. But if the ultimate goal of the draft is to get difference makers, if you think you can get one and it works out, it really doesn't matter how much you spent on him because the goal is to make your roster better. And if you can do that and get a guy who does absolutely make your roster better, well, you you beat the odds. So I think every trade-up has to be evaluated on kind of a pass-fail basis. Did you succeed in trying to beat the odds? And as far as Christian Watson goes, it seems to have worked so far. And that makes it a pretty simple binary good. Uh, Binary, doesn't it? Watson is good, so the move was good. And I think that's basically what trading up amounts to. Now, if you want to push back on that, I wouldn't argue super strenuously. The Packers did trade to the Minnesota Vikings, which is an extra bitter pill to swallow. And if you look at how the draft played out, they probably could have gotten some pretty comparable value to Watson or maybe taken a receiver and another edge rusher had they stayed put. But 
it's all theoretical. You don't know for sure how things would have gone how you, had you not traded. So you kind of just have to evaluate based on what you got. And it puts a lot more heat on the guy you got to be good because of the amount of resources that you invested. And Watson, early on, looked like he was not handling that particular pressure very well, though I doubt that the reason that Christian Watson is streaking down the field and dropping a pass against the Minnesota Vikings in week one is he's thinking, gosh, I've really just got to pay off the uh, draft capital that the Packers put into me. No, he's probably just trying to catch the ball, but he does seem to have put a lot of pressure on himself just to be good in general. So there is that, that added pressure on the GM who should be evaluated accordingly and, um, you know, on the individual player, because he's got to be that much better. And I think, to step back from 2022 a little bit, that's why the Jordan Love trade-up in 2020 has always been such a hard sell, I think, to fans generally and maybe just to me specifically. Because in addition to putting a lot of pressure on yourself to get that right by committing those extra resources to get Love, you're also passing up a lot of now help for potentially being good in the future. And once again, we'll say it since we've said it since April 2020, if Jordan Love does turn to be out as good as they turn out to be as good as they think he can be, it doesn't matter what has happened from 2020 until whenever he takes over as the starting quarterback. Because if he is as good as they say that he can be, as they believe he can be, we're going to have a lot of other opportunities to make questionable draft picks late in the first round. Because that's just how things go if you've got an elite quarterback. And if they think he can be elite, and he turns out to be, it's all going to have been worth it. And I guess guess that's kind of the same sort of thing for Watson, although he's getting on the field in a significant way a lot more. If he turns out to have been as good as they thought he was, well, they win. Free agency. A couple of different components here. Uh, Guys that the Packers retained from 2021, guys that the Packers left and either signed elsewhere or, or left football or had football leave them, and then guys that the Packers brought in. We're not going to go super deep on these individual players, more of the thought process and how the move has played out. But as far as guys the Packers retained from 2021, you're looking at Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, and Robert Tunyon as the big ones. Campbell, one season in, this seems like a miss. I think there was a clear regression from him in 2022 from 2021. He was not at the level that he was in, in 21. And as he continues to age, I think there's going to be more and more reason to believe that he's not going to get back to that level. I think that makes so far this move a miss. Rasul Douglas, for me, here January 12th, not having dug into his 2022 numbers all that much yet, feels about the same as where he was in 21. I don't have a whole lot of problems with the Douglas re-signing. Re-signing guys is going to be expensive. That's just the way it is. Tunyon, for what he paid, I would say about fine. 50-some catches this year. I can remember maybe two of them his corner catch there for a touchdown against the Vikings, and he had a nice catch on a seam route. I want to say it was against Washington early in the season. may have been been against the Jets. That's about all I got for you on Robert Tunyon. But for what they paid for the situation he was in coming off the ACL, I think it seems to have worked out just fine for both parties. In terms of guys the Packers did not retain, a few of them did end up signing elsewhere in the NFL. Corey Bohorquez, Dennis Kelly, Oren Burks, Lucas Patrick, Equinemius St. Brown, Chandon Sullivan, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling all left the Packers from 2021 and played in the NFL in 2022. Bohorquez has had a pretty good season, it seems like, for the Browns. Fine, whatever. Uh, he does not seem to have 
really found his footing in Green Bay and the Packers, I think, need a little bit more consistency from their punter, given where he was or given how the weather works out in Green Bay. The rest of the list, I mean, I'm not pining for anybody on that list. I don't know about you. Of that group, though, I think even looking at the contract he got, I might have brought Marquez Valdez-Scantling back if I had another crack at that. Just given what the Packers seemed to need among their receiving core and what they tried to get, MVS versus Sammy Watkins tilts pretty firmly one direction. It's, it's MVS. He was better than Watkins was in 2021. He was better than he was in 2022. If you're looking for a bridge player, I mean, to get you to a point where, where Christian Watson can take over in that kind of role, why not just put a guy out there who can do that role already? Now, there's a, there's a lot of reasons to you know, not be 100% confident in Marquez Valdez-Cantling either. So I do understand the Packers moving on, but I guess just of that group, he's the only one that I've, I've had any second thoughts about, well, what could he have done for the 2021 Packers? A uh, couple other guys left the Packers after 2021 and did not end up te- on teams in 2022. Kevin King, as far as I can tell, never got a serious look from anybody. Tyler Lancaster did spend a, a little bit of time with the Las Vegas Raiders, but ended up on injured reserve and was subsequently released. Gutekunst brought in four, I think, notable free agents that we should talk about. Uh, Pat O'Donnell, Jaron Reed, Keyshawn Nixon, and Justin Hollins. Hollins a waiver claim during the season, but O'Donnell, Reed, and Nixon really the other noteworthy offseason free agents. You could also say Dallin Levin in there too, I suppose, uh, make it five. Uh, but people kind of in that vein. Um, O'Donnell, fine, no complaints one way or another. Jaron Reed, up and down season, I think is is pretty fair to say. Nixon seems to have been a real value. Everybody knows we love Keyshawn Nixon. Uh, Justin Hollins, nice waiver wire pickup. The Packers pro personnel department continues to do a great job finding guys like him. Um, you could go further down the list, but those seem to be the big ones. Again, Levitt, uh, a core special teamer, a little bit more aggressive on that front in this offseason, I think, upgrading the special team. So all in all, given the cap limitations they were working with, Seems like a pretty okay free agent class. I think Gutekunst did about as well as he could there, um, given where the Packers were in terms of their space available and and things like that. Now, other decisions. We've got Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers that we need to talk about for sure. I'm not even really sure what you call this, but um, there's another thing that I want to talk about with Gutekunst and the roster, and it's just commitment to his guys. Uh, I'm not even sure what to what to say to categorize it, but there are a few instances on the roster of the Packers really sticking with guys that it doesn't seem like really merit that kind of um, commitment, second chance, third chance, whatever. Guys, I'm I'm talking about guys like Amari Rogers, sure. Lest I belabor the Jake Hansen point again, just throw his name out there. But I'm also thinking of guys like Jonathan Ford. Without diving too deep into individual players here, why is the roster like that? Why do the Packers feel that they can keep giving guys like Rodgers second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances? Why do they feel like they're going to pay, put Jake Hansen out there, keep him on the roster because they've, what, had him around for a couple of years now? Why do they feel like um, 
Jonathan Ford needs to take up a 53-man roster spot all season long but never make it into a game. It seems like there's a disconnect there between what Brian Gutekunst has done as the general manager saying, I want these guys and I want them to be on the roster and what the coaches want to do or are able to do or just feel obligated to do. I think you see what I'm saying. There is a disconnect there or seems to be a disconnect between the actual abilities of some of these guys and their presence on the roster. And I'm not sure whose feet you really lay that at, but it seems to be a significant indictment on somebody. And Brian Gutekunst is part of that that equation. Now, the Devontae Adams trade, it, it's the sort of thing that feels tricky, but I'm not sure it is. And the conclusion even if it is mostly on on Adam's side here, the decision still kind of reflects on Gutekunst too. Now, in a vacuum, I think the Packers did a pretty good job getting what they could for Adams, who did not want to be there and seemed to make it clear that he was not going to come back come hell or high water. Like, whatever you do, no matter what you offer me, no matter if you franchise me or say that you're going to do this, that, and the other thing, I am not coming back. I am done playing football for the Green Bay Packers. I think you have to really ask yourself, as a fan, as somebody covering the team, whatever, how does it get to that point? Now, for Adam's part, he was pretty clear that there were things that he wanted to do with his free agent move that did not have to do with the Packers. He wanted to be closer to his family. He wanted an opportunity to play with Derek Carr, his his close personal friend. He wanted an opportunity... I think you can say, you know, reading between the lines, they did a long interview with ESPN about this. They they wrote a great profile uh, about it, about his thought process. I think it was clear that he wanted, he was at a point in his career where he realized, look, I've probably got one last big decision like this that I'm going to make. I want to make it entirely on my terms because you get drafted. That's not up to you. You could, you, you sign your first contract, you're young probably in your mid-20s, you know you may only have one big opportunity at super big money. I'm going to stick with this team that drafted me and just get what I can. Adams is in the rare, you know, the rare air where he can make another decision and control it all himself. And so he decides, you know, even if it's not as much money as I could make, you know, I want to do something that's just for me. That's all fine. That's all well and good. But based on what we know from other reporting, that is not the entirety of the story either. Because dating back to, and getting my dates a little bit wrong here because what is time anymore, dating back to the summer of 2021, it seemed clear that there was a a disconnect, I don't know if you say distrust, a frayed relationship between Devontae Adams and the Packers centered around Brian Gutekunst. And I'm not entirely sure why that is. Obviously, we don't have insider insight on that. Uh, we don't, nobody's really been able to say, you know, what the issue was, but we've heard from a couple people that there, there is some issue there. And it could be just that the Packers are so, the Packers give Russ Ball, the actual contract negotiator, such strict guidelines on what he can do that people don't even end up getting mad at him when they can't get a contract done or they know that he's taking orders from from Brian Gutekunst. Look, I want this guy. Make it work. I don't want this guy. Don't give him, you know, 
let them know that we don't want them, whatever. For whatever reason, people seem to not not love Brian Gutekunst. And I think we've heard that enough from, you know, both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you know, between the lines that that there is some reason, you know, as a fan on the outside looking in to be a, a little bit concerned there. How do you evaluate that about Brian Gutekunst? I don't know, but it seems, you know, to loosely paraphrase Donald Glover from from Spider-Man, the first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, you have to get better at this part of the job. Like, soothing hurt feelings is part of this job. Letting people know how you feel about them without having them get mad at you, that's part of the job. Letting you know, letting people know your intentions for them and their career without them getting mad of you at you is part of the job. And look, athletes, whether you like it or not, whether teams like it or not, have more power over public perception of their teams now than ever before. 20 years ago, well, it's getting to the point where it's not 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, you know, early 90s, mid 90s, a, a guy gets mad at the team. What can he do? Not a lot, really. He can find a sympathetic local beat reporter and try to share his part of the story, but the, that guy still has to write it. He still has to get printed. People still have to take it a certain way. Now, if I'm Devontae Adams and I'm irritated with the Packers, if it suited me, I could fire up a Facebook Live or a, a, a Twitch stream or fire out some tweets or post something on Instagram. I could send a whole bunch of people an email if I wanted to and just say, look, here is my side of the story. I'm irritated. I don't want to be here anymore. And here's why. I could tell you exactly how I feel to your face. And teams feel that heat now more than ever. And I think the teams that realize that I think the general managers that realize that and work to shape the public perception of their franchise accordingly are going to have an advantage over those that do not. And if you're a general manager who is able to reach out to other other players who may be free agents, who may be seeking a trade and say, look, we understand you've got grievances. We understand that you want to do this, that, and the other thing. You, you want to grow your brand. You want to be a business. You want to you know, be close to your family. You want to be who you are as a person. Come to wherever. We can offer that to you. And, you know, we'll make it worth your while financially too. That That is going to sell at a certain point. If you can deal with somebody who's nice to you versus someone who's not nice to you, someone you like or someone who's make, taking, taking steps to make themselves likable to you, at some point you are, you're going to get some breaks for that. And I think there is some reason to think that maybe Brian Gutekunst needs to have some growth in that part of his, his, I don't know what you call it, managerial portfolio, his personal skill set, things like that. He might have some work to do there. Now, the Aaron Rodgers extension. This is the big one, of course. I would like to think about how we characterize Brian Gutekunst here a little bit. Because on the one hand, I totally understand why you, you re-sign Aaron Rodgers. I probably would have re-signed him too if I was in Brian Gutekunst's shoes. Because it's, it's just the sort of thing where you, you almost have to do it. Because you've got now a four-time MVP, a guy who's won the last two, who, has, who you've gone through this long public process of reconciliation and um, you know, trying to make things right with. Uh, you know, assuaging hurt feelings again. Um, 
and he he says publicly, you know, I I've always wanted to you know retire with the Green Bay Packers, uh, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who's who's obviously very great and who's very legacy conscious and who was around for the Brett Favre you know, retirement and and unretirement and that whole thing. And you as an executive were there and you want to avoid going through that again. All of those things, I understand why you re-sign Aaron Rodgers. But I think Brian Gutekunst, if he doesn't portray himself this way, he is portrayed, I think in the media sometimes, as kind of a bold change maker. And I'm not entirely sure that's accurate all of the time or even most of the time, I would say. Because I think that reputation may come from really one big spending spree in 2019, a couple of tough decisions in 2018, and what still could be an ill-fated move to trade up for Jordan Love in 2020. Other than that, if you told me Ted Thompson was still running this team, there aren't a whole lot of differences, other than just adapting to a new pace in the NFL it's still a lot of pretty conservative decisions. And I think Aaron Rodgers was a conservative decision that gets spun as a, a win-now move. Now, was it even a win-now move? I guess. Because if you're going to spend all that money to bring back a quarterback, you're saying, we're going to compete for a championship in 2022 and, and 2023, it seems like. That's, that's where we're headed. But it doesn't seem like they've done a whole lot to support that vision for now. Other than saying, we were pretty good in 2021. Let's mix in a couple first-round picks and, and then not play them and try to get a good rookie receiver, which they, they seem to have. Other than that, they pretty much just ran it back from 2021, minus Devontae Adams, and then hope for the best. And I don't know. That doesn't seem like that actually that bold of a move. Because... What would you say the Packers' real identity is? In theory, they're supposed to be this running team, this you know wide zone team, uh, Shanahan tree type stuff. But they're paying a whole bunch of money to a quarterback and then not really giving that guy a whole lot of reliable resources to throw to. And keep in mind that one of his favorite guys to throw to, Randall Cobb, wouldn't even be in Green Bay in 2022 if not for him saying, basically, I'm going to retire in 2021 if you don't bring him from Houston to here. They said, you know, through their actions that they wanted to win in 2022 with Aaron Rodgers and then didn't build around Aaron Rodgers all that much. And I'm not really sure what to make about that. Other than that, it seems like you know, dating back to 2020, they had a plan where they wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers and he just made that impossible. So they keep doubling down on Aaron Rodgers continuing to be good when they had a real chance to do something super bold and Brian Gutekunst, billed as a bold change maker, just decides to not be all that bold. Do kind of the thing that most people I feel like would do given the opportunity. Instead of taking a real big swing and trying something different. And I think if I have an overarching criticism of of Gutekunst, it does seem to be a reticence to really make a big swing stick. We, you know, have belabored the point about Brian Gutekunst being in the conversation, I guess to death, among people who cover this team, because you do hear about 
Gutekunst being in a lot of conversations, but I don't see a lot of conversations ending with things changing in Green Bay all that much. I mean, for a long time, I I guess I'll put it this way as far as analogies go. For a long time, I I was in a bit of a a rut career-wise. Well, I was unemployed in 2019. Uh, I got let go from a job because they downsized our whole department. And I spent nine months looking for a job. Couldn't find one. But you know what happened? I was in a lot of conversations. And you know how many of those conversations helped me? Exactly one. It was the one that resulted in me actually getting a job. All of those other interviews that I went on didn't count for anything. It didn't matter that I was in a lot of conversations. It didn't matter that I was a finalist for, I forget how many jobs before I finally landed one. They didn't help me at all. Being in conversations doesn't count for anything. The NFL is in professional sports in general are entirely results based. What did you actually do? And the Packers talk about doing a lot of things. We're already hearing rumors, and I'm running out of time, so I don't want to dive into DeAndre Hopkins stuff. But we're hearing rumors about the Packers, you know, being a potential landing spot for him. I am not for or against that. I haven't looked into it enough. Gut level reaction is uh, do not anticipate him coming to Green Bay, uh, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. But here here we're going to go again. The Packers are going to be in on the conversation. They're going to call and see what's up. And it's probably not going to result in them trying anything. Now, they did try at the trade deadline last year to get DJ Moore. And for that matter, Chase Claypool seems to have worked out pretty well for the Steelers getting the pick they did from from the Bears there. They, they guessed right. The team that was going to be worse did end up being the Bears. They got a better draft pick from the Bears than they, they would have gotten from the Packers. But it ended up just being another conversation in Green Bay. And I guess that's that's a lot of what we hear now. It's just a lot of talk about what the Packers want to do and how they see themselves and not a lot of action toward that goal. The genesis of the 2022 Packers seems to have all kind of started where it ended. We talked for a long time, basically the whole 2022 season, about how the Packers needed to steal some wins early in the season so they didn't have to be fighting for their playoff life at the end. They were going to be counting on these young receivers to be better, counting on their 2020 or 2022 defense to be better than 21. And that's basically how things played out. And they didn't. They weren't good enough early, and they came up short late. Their plan to throw a few resources, basically, to fill a couple holes from 2021 and hope for the best, kind of just ended up being a lot of talk. And I guess if I'm going to put a entire season, boil it down to one sentence for Brian Gutekunst, is kind of just, you talk a lot which is weird to say about a guy who doesn't talk to the media all that much. We hear a lot of talk about the team that the Packers want to be. The team they ended up being was 8-9 and and out of the playoffs. Yeah, there are built-in excuses there, injuries, broken thumb. We'll talk about those a lot, but everybody has those things. Nothing goes perfectly for anybody. And the teams that do you know, stay a little bit healthy just you know, tend to win anyway. But those are the exceptions 
not the rule. Things are going to go poorly for you. What are you going to do when they do? The Packers didn't seem all that prepared for that. That's Brian Gutekunst, I guess, in 32 minutes of talking. What did you think, though? Let me know. I'm interested in your thoughts. Where are you at on Brian Gutekunst? Who ended the season, by the way? We're talking about approval rating and what people think of him. Well, our weekly, final weekly poll ended with 60% of people approving of the job that Brian Gutekunst is doing as the Packers general manager. Take that number however you will. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in the conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.